0: This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm your Breaking the Rules host, Ben Hale. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 21 of the Easy Living Yards Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I'm so excited you're here for the episode 21 that's right it's not really a fancy number i guess but i you know i'm kind of feeling rad right now or whatever so i wanted to use my cool 90s voice but anyway so welcome to episode 21 of the easy living yards podcast today before we get into it we're going to be talking about avoiding problems with hoas and local codes how's that for 90s radness talking um But before we get into that, I just wanted to let you guys know if you guys have any questions or comments or whatever for the show, suggestions for new shows, uh, I want to hear them. And you can go over to easylivingyards.com slash pod slash pod and that'll take you right to a the, the podcast page and right at the top there's a button to ask any questions or leave comments so so if you want to do that make sure you go on over and do that and you could potentially get featured on the show as well in the future and um, of course i have a link in the show notes for that as well so let's get into it for today so with that guys, we are talking today about avoiding problems with HOAs and local codes and zoning. This is <laughs> this is not my favorite topic. I will be completely honest with you guys. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of uh not a rule person, I'm actually a rule breaker, I guess. And um now with that said, you know, I think we can have a lot of beauty in our landscapes without having to comply to whatever somebody else's perception of beauty is. And that's kind of why I don't, I don't love this topic. And, and actually I kind of, um, would prefer to live in a place where I can, you know, live by my own rules as opposed to somebody else's and what they perceive for their, for their property value. Anyway, uh, before I get off on a tirade, um, really what I want to talk today about is, is how you can live in an area that has, uh, local zoning code or local, um, property codes, or, um, if you live in an HOA and, and if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, it means you probably don't live in one. um, but also I'll explain it later. But if you live in an area where any of these, um, codes or rules are in place, it's important that we comply to them and do it in a way that's also conducive to, um, our lifestyle and saving time. Um, from our landscape to do the things that are more important to us So so whether that's uh, spending more time with your family or working towards your your passions in life uh, Or uh, spending habit having more time to relax from your busy lifestyle Whatever it is We want to focus our time on that as opposed to having to do the chores that are necessary to maintain a landscape according to somebody else's perception and so uh, today is all about understanding what are these rules and regulations like, um, how to find them, and also how to make sure we're designing and maintaining our landscape to comply with them, but at the same time reduce work as much as possible. So that's kind of what today's show is about in a nutshell. So let's get into it. So first, I've I've used this acronym a couple times HOA. If you're not familiar with it, first of all, uh, you're probably lucky because you don't live in one. Um, I guess you guys hear my opinion about them. But, uh, you know, if you live in an HOA, I know a lot of people like it. But anyway, let's let's just talk about what it is first. What it stands for is a homeowners association. So it's generally speaking, it's a group, if you live in a subdivision or a, a development area, it's a group of homeowners that are on a local board, uh, kind of voted into place by the the homeowners of that Development and so it's it's basically a, a kind of a smaller level of of self government where uh, this board collectively decides what we should and should not do with our landscape um, across the whole development to um, to have uniformity and to have it look a certain way. And in a lot of times the defense is that this helps, uh, boost property values for that space. And, and that may be true, but at the same time it restricts a lot of what you can do. And it also, um, it, a lot of times it also creates a lot of maintenance, um, needs as well. So for better, for worse, that's what a homeowner's association is. Um, and I guess the, the short sentence for it is they regulate the appearance and design of properties in a given space. So if you happen to live in an HOA and you're looking to save time in your landscape, you have to do it in a certain way to make sure you're compliant with the HOA rules while allowing yourself the freedom to, to design, um, in compliance to those rules with the intent to save as much time as possible for maintaining your landscape. Okay. So we'll get into that later. Uh, the next piece I want to define is municipal codes. So these are codes written generally at a a city town township level, um, rarely at the County level, um, to regulate property design. So these include setback requirements, easements, um, so, if you're not familiar with what an easement is, it's uh, it's basically a space where you're re- regulated on what you can do if if one of these easements touches or or runs through your property. So, a certain easement could be um, a, a sewer easement. So, if there's an underground sewer pipe that runs through your property, or a waterway easement, if there's drainage space across your property. Um, it could be a road easement so if you're you know the street your property butts up to um, you might be regulated on a certain amount of space that you have to keep open for whatever reason um, so these are various examples and and not um not encompassing for sure but those are examples of what types of easements you may have that uh, are regulated through your local township um likewise you have setback requirements so you can't build for example right on the edge of your property line um, in most cases so you have to make sure you're compliant with the setback requirements based on the structure or the design you're working with at the time so various structures require different levels of setback and so it's important to understand those too before you're going across um, or going ahead and building something with with it being in the wrong space Okay, so those are our general definitions. I'm going to try and be brief on those today. And let's just jump into understanding how to not have problems in the future and how to minimize as much work as possible uh, with your landscape. So I'm breaking this kind of into three buckets for us. The first is maintenance-related stuff. The second is preventative tactics you can use um, to reduce work. And the third, of course, is design tactics. So more labor-intensive to install, more work to do, but in the long term, the design tactics win out with how much they can save you. So for now... What you can do is you can start switching some of this maintenance stuff, and for long term, you can start planning for some of this design stuff. So let's get into it. So for maintenance-related stuff, we're kind of talking about um, three primary things I want to uh, point out for maintenance-related stuff. First, this is about maintaining appearances. So you want to make sure that your property doesn't stick out compared to your neighbors' properties or the properties in your neighborhood, where you're going to be catching the the oversight of somebody, or, or, or be targeted for um, some uh, violations. So essentially, what you need to do is you need to make sure you're maintaining your property at a, a frequent enough basis to not look, you know, unkempt. And and so these, a lot of these codes will have certain um, guidelines i guess of of what you can do so for example how much you need to how short your non non needs to be trimmed or whether or not it can have the appearance of any clover in it for example or any other broadleaf plant um so depending upon where you live the regulations for this may be more or less stringent and And so I'm not being specific here because it highly varies based on where you live. So it's important to actually, even though it's kind of a bear to read through some of this stuff, it's important to read through it to understand what are your limitations and and kind of where do you have some leeway. But in general, what I'm saying here is make sure you're kind of maintaining appearances so you're not getting um, more scrutiny than say your neighbor might be because of uh, just a perception. So the next piece is to mow regular, regularly, okay? <laughs> A lot of what I've talked about in previous episodes is to mow less often, right? And And that's true. I still recommend you do that. But to make sure you're mowing regularly enough to, again, not um, bring scrutiny upon your landscape. And, and so I've talked in other episodes about how to maintain your lawn to be more low maintenance. And one of the guidelines I've given or recommendations I've given is to mow higher because it helps the overall health of your lawn. I'm not going to get into it to detail today. um, but you can check out the previous episodes about lawns if you want, um, to, to, uh, understand more about that. So, um, for, for mowing, I still recommend you mow higher. But you may not be able to mow as high as somebody that's, you know, not in one of these uh more regulated areas because again, you, you're trying to avoid scrutiny here. You're trying to avoid the the I guess the the heavy fist of of law coming down to focus on your landscape as opposed to your neighbors just because of one thing that may you know, trigger somebody to, to think more about your yard as opposed to your neighbors. And so if you're mowing too high, you know, even when it's freshly mowed, uh, it still stands out in contrast to your neighbors. And so I still recommend you, you mow as high as you feel comfortable with, um, to increase the health of your lawn, to reduce weed issues, to increase the resilience of your lawn in drought conditions and so on and so forth, um, without mowing so high that, um, that it's gonna cause you some some issues in the long term just with where you live and the regulations you have. So mowing regularly enough too where where your mow your excuse me your lawn uh looks consistent enough. So this means you might have to mow slightly more frequently than than what I've recommended for other places. But um this is again a judgment call. But if you're you know if your lawn is taller, it doesn't necessarily mean it looks kind of scrappy. So, if you're mowing higher than your neighbor's lawn, it, you're still going to have those nice, even cut grass blades that people love to see. And when it starts to, you know, kind of grow to where it's not incredibly even, is when you know it might be an indicator that it's time to mow. And so, you might only be mowing a very small. Portion of the grass blades off at that point but but it's enough to keep up appearances and and yes this is more work than if you live somewhere else but the option of course is to to move and and I'm, I'm guessing you would rather not do that so so i'm trying to give you recommendations here to to live as as much in harmony with your neighborhood without having to move so uh whether or not you should move is another story that's a decision i'm going to leave up to you But, um, let's, let's assume for this case that you, you would like to stay in your current home. Okay. All right. So we talked about, um, maintaining appearances and that being kind of the goal mulch, or excuse me, I'm skipping ahead here, mowing regularly. And the last thing is to keep weeds at a minimum. So I've, I've talked about the lawn already at, so this goes for both your lawn and your garden bed. So keeping weeds at a minimum is again, going to avoid you having extra scrutiny placed upon your yard because, uh, a lot of these codes and regulations, um, they're written kind of vaguely and it's kind of written in a way where it's a little bit of judgment on the the regulating official uh there's a little bit of leeway and so if a yard looks potentially unkempt or not as uh, attractive in in you know in some people's perception uh you can become uh you can come under scrutiny or be issued violations or fined uh based on appearance and again, this is kind of a qualitative thing sometimes, but, but of course weeds play into that. So if, if somebody thinks that your garden bed looks a little rough or whatever, you might come under scrutiny for that because there's a few weeds popping up. So it's important to make sure you keep weeds at a minimum in order to avoid this, avoid this scrutiny. Okay, so that's the maintenance stuff. Um, you know how I feel about maintenance if you've listened to the, any other episodes. And, and if you're, you're new to the show, first of all, welcome as usual i'm so excited you're here um this is a bit of a tough episode to to come on to is the first time but but maybe you're coming here because you are having issues or you're trying to understand more about these regulations so if so thank you so much for coming by um and uh yeah i think overall the message is that we want to try and reduce maintenance as much as possible but but if our um if we're required to do certain things it's important we do it to the frequency or to the to the level where we're not going to be coming under um, additional uh, stress because of of somebody else's regulations on our property okay so let's move on into some preventative tactics we can do with our current landscape without having to redesign it so this is very helpful for kind of making some small changes that we don't need to go over drastic majors yet So as far as preventative tactics, I have three major things we can do. The first, and you've heard me say this before, is to mulch heavily. So heavy mulching can go a long way to, and of course this is in your garden beds, uh, this can go a long way to reducing weed problems while uh, increasing moisture retention in your space and also over the long term increasing the fertility of your soil. So mulch has a lot of benefits and uh, uh, and here I'm talking about natural wood mulch. You can also do um, say like pine mulch, um, uh, like pine needle mulch or even uh, bark mulch. Pine bark is a common one. Um, a lot of these natural materials is what I'm talking about. And and this stuff is really helpful at weed suppression, assuming you have a thick enough layer. And it's also helpful at those other things I talked about. Now, in order to get these benefits of mulch, you have to be several inches thick. Um, the recommendations vary here, but I, I would suggest at least four inches of mulch to be maintained on your your garden beds in order to really get the benefit of weed suppression and the moisture retention and and so on. Um, Now with mulch too, of course, I've said this in the past, but uh, just to reiterate here, I recommend you get is the, the most natural mulch possible. So try and avoid the ones that have dyes in them. Make sure you know the source of the wood mulch as well. So if you're getting them from a big box store especially, this is something you have to be careful of or even a landscape supplier. Um, the dyed mulches, uh, a lot of times they're lower quality um, wood from all sorts of sources. And the the dyes themselves aren't great for your soil, for your plants. Um, likewise a lot of times these mulches these commercial mulches are um, sourced from things that aren't the healthiest source of wood so they might be ground up wood pallets for example and and so a lot of those things have um, chemicals in them that reduce uh, decay for the pallet but when it comes to the mulch that being in contact with the soil and your plants can really negatively affect your garden bed. Uh, and it can actually cause problems for your plants. So you want to get the most natural mulch possible. So hopefully it's just ground up pieces of wood or, you know, your pine needle, needle mulch is a different story where it's, it's pretty good stuff. Um, and so just make sure your source of mulch is healthy for your landscape. Uh, the next piece is edging your lawn. So this actually can be helpful. This is something I need to do for our lawn right now, actually, too. Um, so when you come up to a border, especially like a sidewalk or a driveway, make sure you put in a good edge there. So, um, you know, um, I'm talking about, you know, you see the guys with the weed trimmers and the landscaping company kind of going down and cutting an edge there. We can actually take a, a spade every, this is something you'll have to do every uh, few seasons, but um, take a spade and actually cut a chunk of, of the soil away from the edge to give it a little bit of a gap. And, and this prevents the overgrowth of your lawn into the hardscape element, which, which appears very unsightly to a lot of people. And so by establishing this edge, you, um, you again are reducing the amount of, um, catching somebody's eye that might dislike what you're doing with your property. The next piece is to have established borders. So this is kind of the part and parcel with the previous example of edging your lawn. But here I'm talking about uh, defined transitions between one type of space to another. So this is between a garden bed in your lawn uh, or a walk or pathway in your lawn, uh, for example. And so having a good border there, a durable border um, will reduce a lot of creep one way or the other with your types of plantings and it'll reduce a lot of weed problems as well. So um, something to consider there, uh, a lot of very, uh, various options for durable borders, and uh, just pick something that appeals to your style um, and also the amount of work you're willing to put in to establish it um, and the, the duration of time you want the, the border to be effective. Okay, so those are three examples of preventative tactics you can use to reduce maintenance um, and also kind of increase a little bit of curb appeal at the same time so i strongly recommend those now let's transition into some design tactics you can do with your landscape so this is longer term play stuff but changing these these design elements can really go a long way to one increasing curb appeal but at the same time making sure you're compliant With local regulations. And so that's very important too, of course, to be compliant with either the HOA or the local municipal regulations. So that's a great segue into my first point, which is make sure when you're beginning a project, you thoroughly check what regulations you need to comply with. So if you live in an HOA, for example, you need to make sure you're checking the HOA regulations, also checking the local uh, municipal regulations, and even the county Regulations for um, a lot of times county only comes into play if you have to consult building code and sometimes setback requirements as well at the county level. So just make sure you're checking at least to make sure none of that stuff is necessary. And if this is a kind of a unfamiliar space with you, usually if you call up your your local municipal um, property department, um, they'll be able to help you and, and guide you to understand what you need to consult before starting your project so things you want to check before you start your project setback requirements Um, if you live in an HOA it might be even be things like fencing what type of fencing you're allowed to use whether or not uh, a certain part of your yard is allowed to have it what type of plants specific plants you're allowed to use um What type of hardscape elements you 're allowed to use, or what structures you 're allowed to have, so some h o a s don 't allow you to have a storage shed, for example, um, so make sure you check to see what you are and are not allowed to have on your property, both at the the h o a level the local municipal level, and then even grander scale at the county level okay so once we 've checked to make sure we know what we 're allowed to do and what we 're not allowed to do, the first thing I would suggest is to figure out how you can reduce your lawn area as much as possible. So putting in larger scale garden beds um, that cover more of your property uh, of varied styles potentially, but you know, again, a cohesive design style across your property, but that something that provides visual interest will go a long way in toward um, making your, your property look appealing and attractive while you're looking unique, but also, more importantly, being very low maintenance, um, where you can enjoy that property, you can improve your relationship with your neighborhood, and you can have more time to do the things that are more important. So that's what we want here. So the first step is reducing your lawn area to the bare minimum. So this is the lawn space that you feel like you want for either a view, or recreation, or relaxation, or entertainment. So really sit down and think, what do I really want and need for my lawn? And then what should I do with the rest of the space? And this is um, kind of a tough thing to do because we're all used to having so much lawn. But when we really think about it, we probably need a fraction of what we actually have. And what this will do, the reason I'm pushing this or or suggesting this is that a lawn is a very high maintenance piece um, that interrupts our schedules you know, other parts of uh, a landscape can be high maintenance, but the thing with a lawn is it requires repeated work on a frequent basis that can interrupt our day-to-day life. Um, And so the more we can reduce that, the, the more availability we have on a more frequent basis to do more important stuff. So, consider reducing your lawn as much as um, you're comfortable with doing and replacing with other elements. So this can be, again, garden beds or hardscape elements, uh, such as a patio or deck um, or other entertainment spaces, a fireplace. Um, that may be um, just as beautiful and, and just as beneficial for your landscape and your lifestyle. So next, establish consider establishing a slow-growing lawn. So there are a lot of slower-growing options out there that can create a beautiful lawn for you. And, um, uh, of, of course, uh, this is something I've suggested in previous episodes as well. The no-mow lawn uh, that we have from Prairie Nursery is an, is an awesome lawn. It's a much slower growing, uh, lawn than your typical lawn around the Midwest. And it's a, it's such a beautiful and comfortable lawn at the same time. And so, um, I mow that at a very infrequent basis. So we're talking maybe, two to three times a year and um and you can move if you're living in a uh uh an HOA you can actually mow it more frequently and it, it still does great uh and it looks you know more more clean cut I guess you could say um, then what I keep ours at, but, um, and again, I only have this on part of my property. I don't have across the whole property yet. Um, and so this is kind of, I, I put in a few experimental plots just to, you know, kind of test this stuff out, but, but I love it. And, um, it does require a little bit of maintenance every couple of years and that's for a later episode, but, but basically consider what options might fit into your climate for, for lower maintenance lawns. Um, and a lot of these options, they're becoming more frequently available across uh, different geographies. And make sure you get the 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 biggest thing about a lower maintenance lawn is it has to be the right one for your geography. So the the NOMO lawn that I have is only effective for northern climates um, or the cooler climates, um, but not in the warmer southern climates of the United States. Uh, it would be kind of a waste to try and establish the same varieties of grass that I have in my lawn down south where it's too warm for it. So make sure you understand what options are available for your space. Okay. And, and again, for your lawn, keep it trimmed more frequently than maybe somebody living outside a mun- um, a municipal area would do. Um, just enough to to make it look you know neat and trimmed and kept up well because especially if you have a different variety than people are used to it might stick out a little bit and so you got to make sure you're clear that i'm maintaining this space i'm keeping it um you know up to par with with beauty and and this is what it's for So, um, and you can actually do that where you have certain spaces that are very well kept. So kind of like, think of it like a golf course, right? You have your putting green that's kept at a very, very low, uh, height for your grass blades. And then you have your gosh, I'm now I'm, <laughs> you have your fairway, which is trimmed a little higher. And then you have your roughage right now. Golf courses are considered a beautiful space, but think about it. They include the rough areas, right? And so you can have a similar design with your space where you do have certain spaces that are, they are maintained a bit more frequently, um, uh, you know a little neater, trimmed and then you have your spaces kind of off to the side that are kind of give it that bit of a rougher feel and and they can be part of a beautiful design and the advantage here is that it's also a little bit less work to maintain okay so now that we have less lawn with a better variety of grass that's less maintenance The next piece is to design our garden beds. And for our garden beds, let's make sure we're designing full coverage beds. And we want to do this, of course, with the intent of a low-maintenance garden, right? So we want to select the right plant varieties for this, um, where they're good, hardy plants that are well-adapted to our region. Um, We want to make sure we have adequate ground cover to cover the garden bed as completely as possible to reduce any light Uh, touching the soil because that's when we have weed problems. Uh, we want to have varied texture and height to give it good eye appeal. Um, good curb appeal. Uh, likewise, we want varied color and we want grouped planting. So these are all design tactics that you want to make sure you include in order to really make your, your space pop and really make it look like this is a great space. It's got a lot of beauty. And while it's a little bit different based on how it's designed, it's designed differently in a way that's going to increase my property value and my neighbor's property value. Cause again, going back, that's what a lot of these codes are written for is the, the fear that, that somebody's landscape being different will, will affect the neighborhood's property value. So as long as you're making a beautiful space, you will most likely be, be, um, attracting the, the eye of your neighbors and wondering how you got what you have instead of, um, putting in complaints about your space. So that's what we want to avoid here, right? Okay. So when you're looking to design your space, I've got a lot of content already. If you want to go in deeper, you can check out some of the previous episodes to really understand more completely about how to design your space. And if you're thinking about hiring a designer, one of the, we just published an episode on that as well. So check out, you know, when to hire a designer, if it's right for you and make sure you're, you're, clearly communicating your expectations with your designer so they understand what you're trying to do with reducing the amount of work on your landscape while increasing the beauty at the same time okay so to kind of take us back on track for the design piece make sure we're establishing durable hardscapes so if we're considering a hardscape space like a patio a deck a pergola those tor- sorts of things um make sure we're using um materials that are very durable that aren't going to require a lot of maintenance and they're also going to prevent um, long-term weed issues uh, throughout the space as well as along the edges. So let's make sure we're designing it properly to reduce those maintenance needs and along with that using durable borders and transitions will really go a long way to reducing your long-term maintenance needs. So I know that gets pretty deep pretty quick with the design stuff, but what this stuff will do, you know, if you, if you work to change your landscape over the course, a lot of times this takes a couple years, right? But if we start now with thinking about our space, how we could change it, what we want with our landscape, how it complies to the local regulations, and then kind of tackling our landscape bit by bit to change it. Uh, in a positive way that really um, gives us so much back in our life and in enjoyment as well as time. And that's what we're talking about today. So if you have, if you're looking for help that you need with your landscape, if you have specific design questions, you can always reach out to me and set up a consultation. So you can just jump on over to easylivingyards.com slash consulting. And that'll take you right to my consultation page. And of course, as usual, I have a link in the show notes. Uh, Likewise, you can check out the previous episodes. There's a ton of great value in the previous episodes that you can dig into uh, to understand more about how to do this stuff. And with that, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.